0: Good morning. It is a privilege to bring the word to you this morning. This morning we are going to be considering this idea of mission in terms of generosity and how generosity leads to abundant lives. So today we are celebrating our high school graduates. So graduates, this message is for you and it is for the rest of us as well. So we can approach the word confidently today, trusting that God has a good message for each of us. So as I was preparing for today's message, I was reminded of some very vivid memories that I have as a child receiving Christmas stockings every year at my grandparents' house. And in these stockings would be all kinds of wonderful, sweet goodies. There would be rolls and rolls of those little Lifesaver candies. There'd be fruity gum, all kinds of sticky treats that would probably give me a cavity if I just ate them all in one sitting. But instead of enjoying those treats on Christmas Day or in any of the days following, what I would do is take all of those treats home and I would carefully place them all in the top drawer of my desk and tuck them away, saving them for whenever the perfect occasion would come. And somehow, as the days went by, that time never seemed to come. I would just leave those candies in the drawer there waiting for me to enjoy them, and days passed and days passed, and the next Christmas would roll around, and those same candies would be sitting in my top desk drawer there, now stale, never enjoyed, never shared, but just sitting there waiting for a rainy day that just never seemed to come. And as I look back on that, I have to wonder what what caused me to do that, to save those for so long that then they were no good to enjoy. I wasn't generous with them with myself, let alone sharing them with anyone else. Has there been something in your life that you have held on so tightly to? Maybe something as silly as candy or some kind of dessert that you wanted to save for yourself to savor for later. Maybe toilet paper during the pandemic. Or maybe something even bigger. Frank Moore shares an intriguing story in his book, Breaking Free from Sin's Grip in which he talks about a neighbor who passes in front of his house every day, and he calls her an eccentric and mysterious bag lady. She wasn't homeless, but she perhaps looked that way in the way that she walked around the neighborhood looking for cans and bottles and other trash to pick up and put in her big paper bag. This bag lady, as Moore calls her, she kept to herself, She didn't really talk to any of the neighbors. She kept her window shades drawn tightly. And it would have appeared from the way that she dressed, the lack of care for herself, and the way that she just was scouring the streets for different garbage, that she was in a very difficult financial situation. Moore goes on to tell how, after time, this bag lady passed away creating the need for some people to go into the home to clean out her belongings. And it was only then discovered that her home was filled floor to ceiling with trash and other junk, just leaving very narrow passages through the home to walk, probably similar to something you would see on a show about hoarding. Well, her home needed cleaned out, of course, Wheelbarrows full of trash were carried to the dumpster and in those trips to the dumpster there were some lumpy couch cushions that were found and opened containing cash. So this of course prompted the people to look in other unsuspecting stash locations and pillows, mattresses, drawers, other places in the home, uncovering two million dollars in cash. So this bag lady, living alone, living in poverty, had died a multi-millionaire. Yet she was living as if she had no resources to take care of herself, let alone benefit anyone else. So I have to wonder, what was going on in the bag lady's head and in her heart? There are likely some other issues at play here, but what was the attitude in her heart that caused her to hold on so tightly to all of her resources? And do I hold a similar attitude in my heart? Most of us here likely don't struggle with hoarding in an extreme way like the bag lady saving candy too long, like I mentioned in my experience. But how many of us here do struggle with a lack of generosity? Of course, we live in a culture that tells us money and possessions are what is going to make us happy in life. They're the answers to our problems. So we tend to hold on tightly to our resources, to our money, to our possessions, to our time, to our talents rather than embracing an identity of generosity that God desires for us. So today I'd like for us to consider together, are we living like the bag lady who shoved all of her resources into pillows and mattresses, hiding them away and holding onto them so tightly that they benefited no one? Or are we living in the ways of Jesus, who extravagantly gave all for us and of course throughout scripture god speaks about possessions and money and treasures jesus taught about such thing as did paul in his letters to the early church what does god have to say about generosity in relation to our money our possessions our treasures and really to the whole of our lives in his second letter to the corinthians Paul not only addressed the church's giving, but also their attitudes in the giving. So I hope you have a Bible with you today. Go ahead and open it up to 2 Corinthians. You might have a Bible app on your phone, but you'll need it to follow along. 2 Corinthians chapter nine. We're gonna be reading verses six through 15. And as you're finding that, if we look in the passage leading up to these verses, we see that Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth to finish a collection that they've been a part of. They've been combining resources with other believers to collect for the church in Jerusalem. This is where the church originated. They care about these brothers and sisters in Christ. So the verses that we're about to read are a means of Paul motivating these believers. Go ahead, decide what you're going to give. Let's get this done. Give what you're going to give. Let's finish this collection and be done with it. So let's go ahead and read and see what Paul has to say here in 2 Corinthians 9, starting with verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let's go ahead and pause there for just a moment. Have you heard that verse before? God loves a cheerful giver. I'm expecting that most of us probably have heard that before. And usually when I think of the word cheerful, this is kind of the image that I'm picturing in my mind, right? That looks like a pretty cheerful face. Yeah, oftentimes when we hear that verse, God loves a cheerful giver, It's coming from someone who's asking for money, right? Or for some kind of collection. Maybe someone who's encouraging the listeners, put on a smile, go ahead and give, even if you don't want to. It creates pressure to give. And so instead of having that cheerful kind of feeling in your heart, this might actually be the kind of attitude that you have in your heart, even if on the outside. It looks more like the cheerful smile. So let's go ahead and reread verse 7, and then we're going to continue on from there to see what it is that Paul is telling us here. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. Because of the surpassing grace God has given you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So before we go on here and we take a look at what God is saying to us through Paul about our attitudes of generosity or maybe about our lack of generosity, let's just think again why Paul is writing this to the church in Corinth. We've already mentioned Paul's encouragement for the believers there to finish this giving, this collection that they're a part of. But Paul is going on beyond simply motivating them here. Through his writing, Paul is also developing a foundation or a theology of giving. And this foundation, this theology transcends through time beyond the church in Corinth to us even today. What does God want his people, what does God want us to know about giving? How does he feel about it? This understanding of giving and how it relates to God was important for the Corinthians to understand in order for them to give generously, to genuinely care for these sisters and brothers in Christ in Jerusalem. But Paul's message is also relevant to us today. What does God have to say about generosity and giving? So there are some essential truths that we can pull out of this passage here about God and how he relates to giving. And in this passage, you may have noticed Paul uses some farming and gardening imagery to help us really get a picture of this. As well as some Old Testament references, really to build this foundation, helping us to really picture an understanding of generosity and how generosity leads to abundant lives. So if we look at this first section here in verses 6 through 11, Paul is revealing that givers are enriched through giving and God blesses through our giving. That is an essential truth. God blesses through our giving so paul starts with a picture of a planter and if we look at the message paraphrase version of scripture if we look at verse six it reads a stingy planter gets a stingy crop a lavish planter gets a lavish crop how many of you are gardeners see several hands, several gardeners out there, where our family typically enjoys planting a garden each year. I am going to admit that we have not gotten to it this year. It's been an off kind of year, but typically, right in the middle of May, we are out there tilling the garden, getting our seeds in the ground, um, getting everything ready to go. It's an exciting time to get everything planted. And over time, our garden has grown, especially as our kids have grown, They enjoy helping with the planting and taking care of the garden and, of course, eating some of the produce that comes from it later in the summer. But each part of the season is exciting as we anticipate those seeds sprouting, growing, and hoping that it will produce a generous harvest at the end of the season. But the garden can not grow if we don't first sow the seeds right? And those of you who are gardeners, do you generally only place one seed into each hole in your garden? Now, typically you would place two to three seeds into each hole to ensure that one of them is going to sprout. You want a generous harvest, so you have to sow those seeds generously so that there will be a harvest at the end of the season. Generous sowing results in generous reaping. And Paul shows us here that this holds true beyond gardening and farming. It holds true for our lives as well. When we give generously of our money, of our resources, of our time, of our talents, of all of our lives, we're blessed generously by God. And this doesn't necessarily mean prosperity and that will suddenly become rich in terms of the world's standards, or that will live an easy and comfortable life. But Paul is expressing here that there clearly are physical and spiritual benefits, blessings, and growth that come as a result of generous giving. So we're going to come back to that idea in just a minute, but let's go ahead and move on to verse 7 again. This is the cheerful giver verse. So let's look at that word cheerful. When we look at verse seven, we see that it's God who enables us to give from our hearts. So when Paul uses the word cheerful here, he's talking about our hearts more than our faces. Giving from our hearts is an attitude that's possible only through the grace of God. Verse seven reads, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Have you ever given from a place of guilt or a place of compulsion? You kind of felt like your arm was being twisted and that was your motivation in giving. This kind of giving is not reflecting the heart of generosity that Paul is talking about here. And we often think of the word cheerful, as we mentioned, as being just smiley or happy on the outside, right? Like the emoji that we looked at earlier. But Paul is talking here about an internal posture or an attitude of the heart. And if we look at Merriam-Webster, the dictionary defines cheerful as ungrudging ungrudging. God delights in generous giving that comes ungrudgingly, cheerfully, with no strings attached, giving that you won't regret later, rather than from guilt or compulsion. It's an attitude of the hardened giving. And if we look at the message paraphrase of scripture, Verse 7 reads, God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. What happens when we delight in our giving? Well, the description that we see resulting from hearts of generosity in verse 8, blessing you abundantly, having all that you need, abounding in every good work. So, this heart of generosity comes from God Himself. He is the means of abundant giving. And Paul also references Psalm 112, verse 9, to ground this understanding in Old Testament scripture. It reads, They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. And then he also rewords Isaiah 55, 10 with a second agricultural kind of picture here. He's writing about supplying seed and bread in verse 10. And again, I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases these verses in the message. It reads, this most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes a bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. So as we look at verses 10 and 11, we see God is our source. Generous hearts and abundant lives are impossible without Him. And Paul is describing God as one who is generous and extravagant with us. And this description of God giving a seed that becomes bread for our meals helps us to picture God's generosity. Do you see it in your mind? He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Generous hearts produce abundant lives. Yet we must recognize that everything comes from Him. All that we give, all that we sow, comes from God. He is our source of giving. All of life, even those things that we claim to be ours, my money, my time, my gifts, my talents, all of those things that we hang on to that we think are ours, they really belong to him. He is a source of life. Paul reminds us in Romans eleven thirty six, 36, for from him and through him and for him are all things. God is our source. So if we look here again in 2 Corinthians, we see this understanding of abundance emphasized again in verse 11. You will be enriched in every way. That sounds like abundance to me. We're blessed as the givers. Those who receive from our generosity are blessed, resulting in abundant lives for everyone. Generous hearts lead to abundant lives. So if we acknowledge that God blesses through our giving, that He is the one who empowers us to give from hearts of generosity in a way that we delight in our giving, and we see He is the source of our giving, what is it that happens when we embrace that idea when we give generously? Paul points out that perhaps the most significant aspect of this, of generous giving, is that God receives thanksgiving and glory. And in the second section here, in verses 12 through 15, Paul explains that the impact of giving goes beyond meeting or even exceeding needs. But there's also an overflow of thanksgiving to God. Others will praise God when we respond to him through generosity. And others will see Jesus in us. We're responding to the gospel of Christ when we give generously of ourselves. And he deserves all of the glory, the honor, and the praise. Verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So we've heard how generous giving benefits the giver, how generous giving blesses the receiver, generous giving glorifies God. Do you see here kind of a cycle of giving, that it all starts with God as our source, that he is our foundation, and he is the one who changes our hearts so that we can give extravagantly from the things that he has given extravagantly to us, and others are impacted They see Christ, needs are met. Our giving is then multiplied. A stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. So the giver and the receiver are connected through Christ as thanks is expressed to God who is our foundation and the source of all things. And the cycle just continues. Jesus taught us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So when we cheerfully and we ungrudgingly give of our physical and financial resources, when we give of our time, when we give of our talents, when we give from the whole of ourselves. We're worshiping God by loving Him and loving others well. And this is really what it means to be a follower of Christ. We exchange self-centeredness for generosity, selfishness for selflessness, greed for open-handedness, lack of provision, For abundance God is a God of abundance and provision and generosity and he doesn't withhold from us that's revealed through his greatest gift to us Jesus and we can give generously from our lives because he gave himself extravagantly to us So today we're coming alongside and celebrating our high school graduates. We are so excited for them as they are embarking on this new journey in life. And graduates, we pray that as you step out into the world that your whole life would become a gift of worship to God, that you would embrace this lifestyle, this mission of generosity, so that your resources, your time, your talents, your gifts, your whole life would glorify God by loving Him and loving others. So what does this mean for us here today? Whether you're a high school graduate, a college student, a young adult, a middle-aged parent, a single adult, a retired grandparent, It's never too late to embrace our identity that is based on the grace of God, an identity of generosity and gratitude that flows out of God's grace. N.T. Wright sums this up really well when he says, everything proceeds from God's generosity and everything returns to God in thanksgiving. So we've heard this morning Paul's description of this cycle of generosity, grace, and gratitude, and how hearts of generosity benefit the giver and the receiver. It all glorifies God. So today we can choose to embrace this truth, or we can choose to acknowledge, well, we've heard it, and we're going to just leave it right here, and we're going to just keep living the way that we always have. Or we can embrace a change today, We can choose to embrace an identity of generosity as followers of Jesus and hear his call to a lifestyle of generosity. So how will you choose to respond today? Will you just grit your teeth, perhaps even put on a smiley, cheerful face like our little emoji there and give of yourself and your resources because you feel obligated to do it? or maybe because you think it's the right thing to do, or maybe because your pastor is asking you to do it? Or today, will you leave changed? Will you embrace this inner posture of generosity? Because God's kingdom is not one of scarcity, but one of abundance. And he has been abundant to you. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God in His grace change our hearts to delight in the giving, joyful generosity. And perhaps as you've listened today, you've only thought about or heard money. We get lots of people asking us for money, right? That isn't my intent today. What I hope that you've heard instead is a message of generosity as a condition of the heart that's available to you through the grace of God. And this is a condition that becomes a lifestyle. It's the whole of our lives, every aspect of ourselves that we have exchanged ourselves for him in and through us. Generosity is a lifestyle that includes sharing your financial resources, right, with people who are in need, with the church or whomever God is asking you to share with but it also includes every aspect of your life. Giving is a lifestyle. And this is really a countercultural idea, isn't it? The world tells us to look out for ourselves. Look out for number one. Get all you can get. They owe you. You deserve it. But this isn't the way of Jesus. And in Acts 20, 35, Paul reminds us of the words of Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So, what is God asking you to give or to share as you follow him in his countercultural ways? There might be something specific that comes to your mind even now. How about your time? Are you generous with your time? your energy? Are you quick to lend a hand to somebody who needs help with something? Or are you just too busy? Do you take time for genuine conversations with people? Or are you just in too much of a hurry? Do you find people and places where you can invest your time? Or do you selfishly hang on to your time? you invest time in scripture and in prayer and in growing deeper in your faith and in your relationship with God are you generous with your time and how about your talents do you have a skill or some kind of gift that God is asking you to share maybe you have a knack for fixing cars or building or fixing things maybe you're really skilled with computers or numbers or you love working with kids We are a whole body of unique gifts and talents that God has blessed us with. How could you, how could we collectively impact God's kingdom with our gifts and our talents? And how about your possessions? Are you holding on tightly to the things that are in your possession? Jesus taught us, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So where is your heart? Maybe you feel like money is the answer to your problems, instead of embracing this idea of generosity as a lifestyle. Or maybe holding on tightly to your possessions helps you feel secure or in control instead of trusting and resting in God, who is our great provider? Are there possessions that have become your treasures? These are big questions for us today. So as we think about what God is telling us through this passage, I don't think he's telling us just to give everything away. Maybe he is, we'll need to talk to him about that. But our bag lady in our story did the opposite of that, didn't she? She just hoarded everything away, all of her resources. And in doing so, she didn't even care for herself. And I don't think that's what God has for us. But God wants us to be generous in accordance with what we've been given. John Wesley is known for encouraging believers to gain all they can, save all they can, and give all they can. So we, when we embrace those ideas of gaining, saving, giving, we can develop lifestyles of generosity and we grow in grace through Christ. He is the one who changes us and gives us generous hearts. Generosity is an issue of the heart. God's calling us to be generous in every way a lifestyle of joyful generosity. And how much more would he multiply our giving if we unclenched our fists that are holding on tightly to our money or our possessions or our time, our talents, if we let go of them into his hands? Are you willing to generously and joyfully give them away as you seek to love God and love others well, trusting that God will use and multiply your giving, using them for his glory and for his good. Billy Graham is quoted as sharing, God has given us two hands, one to receive with and one to give with. We are not cisterns made for hoarding. We are channels made for sharing. So as we close together today, I'd like for us to consider the things that each of us might be holding tightly onto in our hands and in our hearts. Are there some things coming to your mind Are your hands and your heart joyously participating in the cycle of giving and receiving through the grace of God? Are you willing to be molded by God into a channel for sharing? As we close in prayer together, I wanna invite you to unclench your hands and open your palms. This might be a little uncomfortable for you, but I encourage you to try it. You can just lay your palms on your lap. Really, it's just a physical way for us to respond to God today. It's signaling a release of ourselves, a release of our resources joyously to God. And through his grace, may he give us generous hearts that lead to abundant lives. Let's pray together. Loving God, we thank you for the rich abundance in our lives. Open our eyes to see that in being so blessed, we can in turn abundantly bless others. Open our hearts to feel the powerful generosity of your spirit and let go of our fear and judgment. Open our ears to hear the needs of this church and community open our minds that whenever called we offer the world our measureless love our generous time our unique talents and treasure quicken our hands to your service breathe your spirit into us and touch us with the life of christ